Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome to episode 406. And this one is being recorded out of order. Yeah, this is a sequel. Yeah, because I promised, ooh, I guess I should not overpromise and underdeliver. I promised that we would do part 2 of this podcast last Friday. I think I actually did it, promised it two weeks ago. I don't even know, but we didn't do it, needless to say. And Thanksgiving Thanksgiving was in the mix there, so. Kind of wrecked everything. So we're doing it, but because I left the space in the podcast schedule, episode 406 never happened. So we're doing it now out of order. Mm. Are we going back in time? We're going, we're time traveling. Nice. Got in the way back machine. Yeah. So, this part two, part one, from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, refresh my memory. What did we, what did I say? (laughs) We talked about how you opened your comic book store two months ago. Well, now it's two and a half Mm -hmm. months ago. And how fun that's been to get that off the ground and what kind of stuff you do there and lessons and comics and Mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. But... We were getting a little bit near the end, like a a lengthy episode, so I didn't want to get into it too much then, and that's why we decided to do part two today, and we were talking about, we were going to talk about the, the, the intention and the decision to follow your heart's desires, and why people should strongly consider finding some way by hook or by crook to follow their heart's desires. So I thought about this in terms of what Gary Vee is always saying. Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the business gurus that I listen to. Mm -hmm. Super, super successful serial entrepreneur. Yeah. And he's always encouraging people to follow their heart's desires. Do what you are supposed to be doing in this life. And some people can and or decide some people have the bandwidth to just just take the leap um or the financial wherewithal to take the leap and just quit the one job and start the other job or uh, enterprise or whatever it is some people don't have the bandwidth but they have the blazing courage to do that and then some people have the side gig in the hopes of transitioning at some point. Some people have the side gig and they just keep it always as a side gig. They don't necessarily want to make tons of money doing it or have it be their sole thing, but they just want to do it because it brings them joy. And 
So I think there's, and then there's some people who always want to do it, whatever, and then they don't. And I think that's the saddest case when people feel that pull on their heartstrings and their, their soul wants to do this thing and then they don't, they never try to figure out a way to make it work. So I think you fit into the middle of that category, the middle of that thing where you have your long career that you've had your whole life. Right. But this comic book creation, store, creative space, all this stuff is something that as a child, what were you, seven when you started? Or were you like 11 when you started making your own little comic books with your neighborhood friends out of construction paper? Stapled together, I remember them. Well, the first, it's funny because it dovetails into something else that we have been talking about separately. The very first thing I did, as a kid, I was always drawing and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, when I was, I was that kid. But you, a, you were like, I'm doing it. I'm making my own comic book. Well, I, you were a kid. I wrote a novel at... <laughs> I don't know how old I was. Uh, well, I, I guess I could figure it out probably. I must have been like in... It must have been fifth or sixth grade, maybe. And I... I would say it has to be at least approaching middle school because I don't think seven-year-olds write novels generally. Yeah, probably. And uh, I wrote I wrote a little... At this point, there was no real computers <laughs> And copiers weren't available, so a friend of mine um, yes. <laughs> typed. I hand wrote it, and then he typed it. On a typewriter. On a typewriter. Bless his little heart. Seven or eight copies? Like, seven or eight times. Oh, my gosh. And then we, well, his typing skills got really good after that. <laughs> and then we cut the pages, and I drew a little construction paper oh, cover. Oh, style, man. I love it. It had an illustrated page. <laughs> for the climactic moment. <laughs> I love there it. was a love story. I love it. And there was a sequel. Oh, did the sequel ever happen? Yeah. Oh. Oh, no, I wrote two novels. Wow. Before the age of however old. What was the word count on those? What do you think? Was I it have, like a I thousand? have copies of them. I know. Well, we can put them in the show notes. You can take a picture of them and put them in the show notes. I have them. Wow. I wonder, though, if it was, like, a 1,000 words, you know, or, like, 15,000 words. I wonder. I remember looking at them. I just don't... I should pull them out and put them at the store or something. But anyway, the longest, longest short that, of it is... You should frame them, yeah. I wrote, a, I wrote a novel as a kid. I tried to get together with my friends and make a movie. <laughs> I tried to make a horror movie when I was... Did you have a video camera? One of my friends had a video camera. Oh, they were like tech savvy, hip. Well, I mean, they weren't. Lines. It was. It was like a, I guess it was early, early on. Like they had the handheld VCR camera. Yeah. They could record onto a VCR. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we found out that, like, when I found this out, I'm like, we're making a movie. Time to make movies. Time to make a movie, and I was going to be like the Jason Voorhees killer guy. Oh, lovely. Like all the neighborhood kids had a job. Like we started writing the script, and we started writing these. You know, when you make a horror movie, it's all about the, unfortunately, it's all about, like... The blood and guts. Well, it's all about uniqueness in the way that the, 
the characters get killed by the killer, <laughs> right? Of course. This is right in line with your podcast, by the way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, 50 ways to kill a person. <clears throat> right. So <laughs> I, I tried that. That never came to fruition. And then my other friends and did I... Did you start and not finish it, or did you just never get past the idea phase? We never filmed any stuff, but we had yeah, the a script, script for at least like multiple scenes. Wow. And we had started to like, like do rehearsals for lack of, like we had started to like, okay, when we actually start to film this, this is what we're going to do. That's very I remember very little bit of, of that, but that's what I remember. And then, and then when I was probably just getting into high school, then my friends and I made like comic books, like little, and I will admit that in this endeavor, my friend, uh, who was also the writer of my first comic, Mike Frank Joan, was actually like the ringleader of that. He was older than me. He was like three years older than me. Yeah. Um... But he had drawn these comic like when I was writing a novel as a kid, he was like writing fold up, you know, kid cartoony comics, his version of Spider-Man. And then he pulled these back out when we were in high school and then we just went crazy nutty on them. Like they just veered off like crazily into like this weird like they're 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 not for consumption now, but it was always something I wanted to do. Boy, potty humor, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the best. That's the most uh, charitable way to describe it. Yeah. But anyway, um, and I love to draw. I, I always love to draw. And um, this became like, okay, well, this is what I was reading, ferociously reading comic books at that point, and loved that medium, loved the storytelling, loved the, you know. Um, I love what comics represent in terms of a heroic narrative. Um, I love the unique way that they can tell a story differently than than other mediums can. Um, it's just you know, and I'm the heroic narrative thing is like all I'm all about that. Based so in your blood, yeah, right. Fantasy novels, you know adventure stories and movies, all that kind of stuff, you know, good versus evil and, you know, the struggle to, to triumph over that. That is like, you know, me one-on-one. So, but, you know, I think we've even discussed it before in the podcast, my parents it being very level-headed people kind of did not like the idea of art school. And if I had to be truthful when I was a senior in high school, I was not confident enough to say, fine, I'll, I'll just go. You know what? I don't care. I'm, I'm so good. Because I was in a, um, in high school, I was in a double period art class as a senior. And there were some really talented, but also very, Avant-garde is a word that just jumps up to me, but I'm not sure it's exactly... Unique individuals? Well, they were just... They had, they had, a, they had a viewpoint at 18 years old 
that was... Or an identity like... <clears throat> well, I mean a point of view as an artist. Not like you have a point of view as a person. That's but what I thought you meant. Like, I am an artist, nothing else. No. Nothing will sway me. Like that kind of thing. No, like I see the world this way and it looks really, really different than the guy over there who's just copying and regurgitating what comic books look like to him. Like they had their own style or they had a style. They had a, the only other word to use is they had a point of view. They had a, they had a thing that they were putting out in their art that was not just an attempt to, it was a different thing than what was out there. It looked to me that way. Now I may just not have known enough to understand what their references were, but for me, I was just like obsessed on this retelling of a of a heroic narrative, and not necessarily in my own mind as innovative as some of these other people. So anyway, long story. Which digression aside. All this was basically to say, like, I could have put, stamped my foot, put it down and said, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to go to traditional college. I'm going to go to art school. Well, the other thing, too, is that you didn't have any role models. There weren't a lot of role models who were doing that kind of thing back then when we were growing up. Also, there was no Internet and YouTube, so it's not like you could find the role models to go, well, I've watched videos of plenty of people who follow their path and they're sticking to it and I'm inspired and I'm going to do it. Furthermore, when we were growing up, college was the be-all and the end-all and the only way out or forward or up or whatever. And so any thought to the contrary was, well, who are you? What are you, what are you doing? You're wasting your life away. And I know There's, you're talking about art school versus art college versus regular college, but I mean, I think that we grew up in an era where college was pedestalized, idolized, worshipped, seen, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but seen as the way. And anybody who did anything else was not on the path. Yes, but like in my, in my house growing up in, that I did, uh, in the environment that I did, like it was just sort of, it wasn't expected in a sense of, of, oh, everybody goes to college because that's not, the, that wasn't the case in prior generations. My older brother who went to college was the first, you know, like he was like, my parents didn't go to college, right? Right. And mine like, neither. And like, but, yeah. but that was the measure of you were on the right path is you were doing that. You were getting to go to college. Like that was success. That was the line of demarcation. And I think just societally, that's how it was. But I guess what I'm trying to do is like, I'm, my point is, is just to say that a different person with a different degree of risk taking you were because you were talking maybe a about Scorpio, that. a Scorpio. Well, sure, maybe. He's got like a more fiery um, temperament. Uh, temperament, or just there. Like I see nature. I see so many Scorpios who are hard charging. Like Gary Vee is a Scorpio, like hard charging, adamant. This is my vision. I'm doing it, no matter what anybody says. Like I think Scorpios have that kind of. Yeah, I don't think anybody would ever not probably describe me as 
fiery and forward charging in personal, but I agree with you. Like I can't, I'm not articulating yeah. it right, but there you're, is, you're conservative in your decision making. Yes, and that's what I wanted to get to is I could have, like I could have for, for the four years of high school, I could have been going to comic conventions, meeting comic artists, asking them what they did in order to get into the industry, uh, talking to all of them to try and understand a path, going to my art teacher and saying, I want to do this, find out how I do this thing to become a comic book artist, you know, whatever, like all the various methodologies that people, even in that time, Yeah, it was utilize. harder than it is now to, harder, to but take you, a different path. But you could have done it. Yeah, if you were determined right. to do it. Right, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I was just kind of, I sort of pictured myself as just kind of like floating along, going through the motions, doing my little thing, thinking I'm kind of a creative person, but not really necessarily diving into that. Or not, not like <clears throat> I can't breathe without it. Correct. And so... I would say that the kids in your class who you were observing yes. were the, I can't breathe if, I won't be able to breathe if I don't do this. Yeah. Like, that was not you. Correct. Even though you loved it. And to that end, I chose the other path, right? My parents said, no art school. I ain't going to fly. You ain't applying to art school. And so you got to apply to colleges. And so I said, okay, and went to college and did my thing. Well, you know exactly why you had to follow that oh, path, right? Gosh. You know yeah, exactly I know. why. I know why. Because I you met me when you were a freshman. Oh, I know. And if you had gone to art school, we wouldn't be Did in the same college. you get time off for good behavior? Oh, stop it. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, and then from there, all the life decisions, everything gone, everything has gone swimmingly, or everything was going swimmingly. Married, children, happy home life, you know, relatively big and house. And then what happened? Freedom oh, to, no. <laughs> freedom to, like a, a job with a, a, an insane amount of. A ridiculous amount of freedom. freedom. Right, but also a tremendous amount of pressure. Lots of pressure, but but a, an awful lot of freedom. And if I have to be um, honest with myself, a job that while I would never have thought it coming into my career, I would never have thought, oh, that's the perfect kind of thing for me. It actually is kind of the perfect thing for yeah, me. Yeah, it is. It the changes a lot. The structure is very open. You're rewarded for your hard work. You're you're uh, financially punished if you goof off. Yeah. But like it's you know, it, but it's always renewing. It's always new. It's always new challenges. It's never like Novel. go to a thing. You're a novelty person, right? So, but then, you know, we had extensive conversations with this starting about um, six, seven, eight years ago. Right around age 40. Oh, well, actually, it's probably more like 10, because I think you were not quite 40 yet. Well, I know that as I approached 40, right. the idea was in my head that, you know That what, would be the dog scratching, by the way. Yeah. The idea was in my head as I was approaching 40. I said, you know, and we were doing a lot of things. We were running a charitable foundation. The kids were very young. Wait, you mean we were busy? Yeah. <laughs> it was, volleyball was huge, you know, playing a volleyball, training volleyball, all that kind of stuff, right? And 
Um, but I suddenly got this thing of like, you know what? By the time I'm 40, I want to publish my own comic. Now, as with a lot of things. I in think my, you said that at 38. Yeah. Somewhere along the line. Now, as with a lot of things in my life. You're a very great initiator. <laughs> On I the back end? Did not mm. hit the goal. But by the time I was 41, yeah, 2014, May of 2014, I had my first self-published comic completed. Yeah, so you weren't too far off the mark. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. And I, and I have to go back to that time because I remember a conversation we had right before going to sleep one night. And it was probably you were 38 or 39 when you were talking about, oh, I, I want to publish my own comic book. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And I think it was we were talking about, you, you were saying that there was an doing art the class. class. Doing the I'm class of sure comics experience. There, yeah, there's a, a, a comic drawing class I'm not sure it seems kind of interesting I kind of like to do it I don't know and I remember saying well you should do it go for it what are you waiting for so why aren't you signed up yet and I remember you saying are you really think I should do it are you sure and I said hell yes you should do it bleep sorry about that but yes you should do it you have to bleep out the word H-E double hockey stick well I don't know I'm not going to but okay um that's the worst word I've ever used on my podcast of 400 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you Trust me. You have me on more often. We'll, we'll take it down from I'll here. I'll bleep it out. Oh, my God. So, um, but anyway, and then after, so you went for it. You took the class, and then you dove in, and you took another one, another yeah. one, whatever. But I remember. I needed permission. Fact, yeah, you said I, you saying to go for it was the permission I needed to go for it, and it was so kind of strangely interesting. I think I probably am more of a Scorpio than you are, because if I want to do something, nothing's going to stop me. I don't need anybody's permission. I don't care. I don't have to. If I have to turn myself inside out, it doesn't matter. Whatever. And if I have to turn myself inside out, figuring out how we're going to pay for well, it. Well, right. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I've been fortunate to be able to do that because you've been able to. Uh, keep us afloat right. financially and pay our bills while I'm doing all these other crazy things. But so it makes perfect sense why you felt yeah. like you needed permission from the person who is your life partner who also relies on you to pay the mortgage. Right. So it was interesting, but I'm so glad that we had that conversation and that you did go for it. And really, there's no reason. Going back to what we said initially, there's really no reason why anyone who has a dream and a calling should not try to figure out a way. That first class that you took, I think, was like $300 or it was $600 or $800, whatever amount of dollars. It was a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. It wasn't like millions of dollars. It wasn't like college tuition. It was one piddly little class. So at the, at the time, it felt monumental. At the time, the dollars felt somehow more but it was also it it wasn't just the dollars it wasn't the it was dollars the, it, it was, was the statement you were making yeah and you know a lot of i don't know if you know <laughs> this is a podcast about parenting in some regard right but a it's lot also the, about living your life yeah, no but uh, but the point being is a lot of that 
stuff is from my dad. Like my dad. It was a banker. Was a banker. Wore a suit every day. Wore a suit every just day. Just like you did for the first 20 years. Right. Financial services, money. He would never, capital N, capital E, <laughs> capital V, capital E, capital R, have spent money. No. On take, anything. Well, he didn't like spending money, period. But to take a course on how to do something that he enjoyed that he enjoyed but that also represented like another path another career like something else that you're going to do as a man who spent his and substantively his entire working career working for one bank yeah that changed names a couple times changed names a couple times but literally and you actually well you're not too far off of that yeah like he Literally worked for PSFS from the time he got out of the military until he retired from the bank that at that point was Mellon or something. I don't know. And yeah, a couple of the like part-time things that he did. But his full-time working career was with well, one. Well, once he retired, he worked full-time. Yeah. His full-time working career was with one entity. Well, I think also back in that era, that was what happened. Yeah. There was no sh- jumping ship from one to the next. What's, who's got the better benefits package? Who's giving me a signing bonus? Whatever. Right. But also, if I look back, your dad was not a happy man. No. I mean, I don't know that he had or he was aware of having a desire like I wish. I really don't was not aware of anything that he wished he would rather be doing than banking. But he certainly never explored anything. I bet you he would. I bet you he would have loved to write. Well, he certainly loved to read. Right. I mean, most most readers of fiction. He was a voracious. Yeah, most reader. readers of fiction probably have some frustrated author inside of them. I guess I know that I felt that way. Um, frustrated author. Is that where you were trying to segue us to? Because you said, oh, there's something else about, we were talking about a couple minutes ago. Well, when we first started books. talking about drawing comics, and I said, well, actually, interestingly enough, given our prior conversation. Yeah, that's right. I thought The you were first drawing. thing I did was write a novel. And now, as you know, one of the things that I'm. <laughs> one of the things I kicked you in the butt to do. Right. One of the many things that is taking up time. When you take a bath at night. It, yeah. Is, <laughs> on um, your phone. As I'm trying to write 500 words a day, I've fallen well off that pace in the past week or so, but I still have close to 7,000 words of a novel written, so... Yay! So exciting. Yeah. So that's cool. But anyway, so my father... So so you learn, you know, all these lessons from your parents, and one of the lessons that certainly I think I learned from him was, you know, put your nose down. Do your thing. Don't complain. Support your family. That's your job. Try not to complain. It's your job. Don't look over there and suddenly think you're going to go jump over there and do some crazy comic book thing. And and so having the permission from you, my partner, to be able to say, hey, well, yeah, of course, go take the class and see where it takes you. Right. And and my head, I'm like, (coughs) yeah, but. This is not what I've been taught. Yeah, this is not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to just keep working at this other thing. And you're like, well, yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll morph. It'll change. Who knows where it goes? And 
here we are six or seven years later and and you now have a comic book store right and it feels like in some ways it feels like it happened organically and but, quickly but then in other ways it feels like that was almost from left field in some regard but um but it kind of goes back to the 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 twinkle in your eye and in your heart when you were a child it's yeah. just another way that you're uh, nourishing that soul's calling that you've always had since you were too little to even know what that meant. Yeah, I all, again, I think from teenage years, any, anybody who's into this hobby envisions the idea, man, I'd love to just sit in the comic book store all day and have that be my job and read comics and talk to people about comics and this, that, and the other. And... As with anything, the reality of it is, is that it's basically just a business that you're growing and trying to figure out how to, how to have people make it be profitable. But it also is very, um, again, like you said, it's nourishing to the soul to have people come in, to experience the shop, to like it. And, you know, the important thing for me, and I think I've expressed this to you privately a number of times and it to other people as well as the, the thing that has to happen for me though is that I have to continue to have the creative side be present in my work in my life it's almost like you, it's your oxygen you can't breathe without it and and I'll even say literally you can't breathe without it because 10 years ago <laughs> I couldn't breathe you went through such a terrible allergy asthma thing that we were going to every specialist we could find. Right. And I had an inkling back then that it was like stifled creativity. It was more of a spiritual crisis that you were having than an actual physical one. Now, there was some allergy stuff and asthma stuff, and we got you on some immune boosting stuff and you take a daily inhaler for allergies and stuff like that so we did attend to the medical part that we could help and support with but I think it was so important for you to unlock that creative channel that was blocked because it literally was suffocating you yeah and right so and and the read that you have on that time is you know to use our term that we use lovingly back and forth is pretty hippy dippy. Wow. But the other, the thing I wanted to say about the current situation is, is I have to, sh- to make sure though, that this comic shop, so it's on the square comics and studio. Yes. And that it stays comic shop and studio. Right, because you don't want to just be a person who sells comic books. You want, the, you need the creative stuff to right. continue. And to this that point, is your oxygen. Right, and to this point, it has. You've been making it work. It has worked that way, and the other, you know, the day job responsibilities continue to go fine. So we're finding the balance. I mean, I think there's room in another podcast <laughs> for the third part. Um, if this makes enough at the box office, uh, <laughs> to explore how it's changed our home dynamic. Yeah, because which is a crazy shift. And that's still a lot of work. There's still a lot of, there's still a lot of sorting out. I mean, we're only two and a half months in to still be done with that, I think. 
to find out where the... But I think the other thing that makes it work and makes it... It's it's definitely a challenge because you, you're working more hours, more days. You're working seven days a week right now. Unless something comes up and you have to get your assistant to cover the store, you're basically working seven days a week. And certainly that's not something that can go long-term, but when you're launching something, you have to put the time in. Right. So for now, it is what it is. We're not suggesting that anyone should work seven days a week, but you have to initially to get something off the ground, especially if you're running two different things. Right. Um, but I think the reason that it's... It's been an adjustment for sure, but I think the reason that it's not more detrimental than it has been is because we have really strong communication. We have a really strong relationship. We work really well together and for each other. And so if we didn't have a more solid base going into that, I could see, like if I could think of another couple or whatever, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but if you don't have a solid relationship going into an endeavor like that, it could really negatively impact your relationship. Badly. Yeah, or all the relationships. Your relationship with your kids, right? Like, my kids, our kids, got very used to the idea that when they rolled in from school... Both their parents were home. At 3 o'clock, they passed by the French door. Like, they walked in the front door and passed by the French door where I was sitting in my office doing my business yes and they would come in and you know hey dad you know whatever if the door was open or if not they would do a little wave and then like you know if you were busy on a call 10 minutes later they'd wander in and be like you know i'm gonna go da, 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 or can i like now if i roll in from the shop at 6 30 at night like i can almost see like the the, the stuff like hey dad like Oh, wait, you live here. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That's right. So that that's an adjustment. That's a, you know, maybe they don't even realize how much of an adjustment it is, but I realize it's an adjustment. Yeah. I realize how that changes. Um, well, and then you just, you have to make it work. You have to make yeah. concessions. Like, for example, last night, you and our oldest, who thinks he wants to follow in your financial footsteps. He's really a numbers guy, and he's going to school for business. Um, So you guys ended up in a conversation about stocks and markets and what you used to do 25 years ago, and I don't even... I was so far reaching, I was like, I'm out. Peace out. I'm going to bed. It was already midnight. You guys are so deeply involved in this discussion, and he was hanging on your every word and asking questions, and I heard him saying... Wait, this is so confusing. I don't understand. What is it when this and that and the other? And it was just great. So you just make it work. It was a really great conversation. And it really, I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes, I don't know if everybody experiences this, but sometimes like you, you sort of like, like somebody says, oh, you really are an expert at X. And you go, I guess. But like you can't sit there and go in your head and think, I know blah, 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 blah. But then somebody asks you about a topic. 
that you really understand deeply. Yeah. And then they keep asking you questions Is that you're just like. Is it surprising how much you knew? Yeah, it's like one of those things where like you go, wow, like, I guess over 25 years of doing something, you really actually do get a depth of understanding and knowledge about that thing. And a historical depth, too, of how the trends change. Right. Not just the elements of it, but historical trends. So that was really, really interesting. Um, But also to see his mind working out loopholes. And his mind, yeah. trying you know, to find the cracks. Trying to find the cracks, but also understanding when a crack, you know, is 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 actually just a crack in a foundation. You'd have to not exploit it because the whole thing would fall. Um, but he's a systems thinker, so yeah. he, he does look for those kind of right. Where is it he's stable? Trying, right. Where is there an opening? <coughs> he's trying to understand how the system works to take all these. <coughs> to take all these factors into play. And so that was really neat to see. But anyway, but yeah, so 1230, 1230, as we looked up and went, okay, he's got, he's falling asleep listening to me. Really? He was still hanging on. He was like so tired, but he was still like, I was still trying to make a couple of points and answer questions that he posed. And then of course I look up and like, Oh my God, it's 1230. Yeah. And then, so that submarine dart opportunity to, Right, and so you had to sacrifice a little bit of sleep and the gym. to do it. Yeah, and the gym. But, I mean, life is a balancing act, yeah. especially when you're a parent and you're running 16,000 businesses and you have a bunch of kids running around. It's just a balancing act. You try to take care of yourself, self-care. We've been meditating every day. We've been gymming it every day. And uh, gymming it. You like that? Gymming it every day? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your kid needs you and you're – organically have this beautiful conversation you got to sacrifice a little bit of sleep on the front end maybe the gym time on the back end but then the next day you just get right back on track so i think having a solid base of self-care and structure and good relationships is what allows you to (coughs) allows a person to be able to follow let's go back to the beginning follow their hearts (coughs) desire Right. Do you need to start creating? Is, is oxygen um, being sucked out of your lungs? I'm going to follow my heart's desire and bring this baby in for a landing <laughs> so that I can go, uh, I don't know, get something to we'll stop create. this coughing. We're go having, create. We're having the Mount Holly tree lighting tonight, and yeah. Santa is going to be parked right, well, sort of right in front of your building. Yeah, so there should be tons of people. This isn't going up tonight, but. It's going up. In about an hour, as oh. soon as I put it up, because it's for today. Well, if that's the case, if, if you're, you're local, in the area, come out to Mount Holly at 6 o'clock for the tree lighting. and uh, stop, by stop by on the square comics and studio. All right. All right. That wraps up this very long and winding episode, wherever you are in this world. I hope you make it a fabulous day. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to erin at erin-taylor.com. 
if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.